AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lali Arakoglu. Before we get started today, a little housekeeping note. You can now find transcriptions of new episodes at the cntraveler.com link listed in the show notes, along with links to mentioned articles, guest social media accounts, destination guides, and more. Now, let's kick off today's episode. Lale and I, as travel editors, have a bit of a weird relationship with business travel since the act of traveling is actually the business part as well. But for most people, work trips mean relocating to a new office, grabbing meetings, staying in some less than luxurious hotels, and maybe finding time to explore in your precious free time. But it doesn't have to be a total loss. We've brought in two experts and frequent business travelers who have honed in on how to maximize time on the ground. Joining us in studio, we have Christy Dash on the fashion partnerships team at Instagram, focusing on beauty and lifestyle, who just between the social media giants, worldwide offices and beauty conferences and calling in from San Diego is returning women who travel guest Christine Amorose Merrill, a West Coast account director for Gimlet Media, who traverses California drumming up podcast ad sales. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having us. We're pumped. <laughs> yeah. Lolly, do you want to kick off the first question? Yeah. So I have a question that I'm sort of desperate to find out because you are such pros at the business travel life. After doing it so much, have you got any rituals or routines um, that you do when you get to a new place? Yes. So I'm one of those psycho people who as soon as I check into a hotel, I unpack everything. I think maybe because I have worked in beauty for so long, like I need my stuff to just be merchandised so I can see everything. It's like a whole thing. And people are like, even for two, three day trips. Yes. Oh, I actually have a question about that too (laughs) then, which is I was in a hotel recently and they were proudly showing me around the room and they opened the closet and they were like one of our favorite design features is that we have no drawers you just have to hang your clothes and there was one coat hanger oh problematic just just the one it was a single coat hanger (laughs) oh well you have to you can ask for more so I do that I'll call down and say excuse me I'm so sorry to bother you but I need more hangers and it's actually fine so hot tip you can do that but that is problematic I need some drawers 
Because then you can't fully unpack like your sweaters or your jeans. Like where do you put them? Oh, I folded them up and put them on the bottom of the closet <laughs> with my shoes. I really love that you can relate to this. This is why I like this podcast. Christine, what about you? Yeah. Well, I feel like on that note, I'm the total opposite. I pack so light for 24 to 48 hour trips that I almost have no luggage and nothing to unpack. So I don't really do any of that, but I do go back to the same cities over and over again. So I go to San Francisco, I go to Seattle, I go to Portland, I go to LA. And I have like very specific routines in all of those cities. I go get the same type of food. I go to the same workout classes. Uh, I do think that a big part of traveling so much for work is that I try to treat it a little bit more like my everyday life. So if I can fit in a workout class, I will do that. If I can go to my favorite place to get juice and a ginger shot, I will do that. That's actually another thing that I do a lot of whenever I'm traveling for work. I almost always get ginger shots every day, which I swear (laughs) helps keep me not getting sick all year long. I love that. And that's so much better than like taking airborne or something. Yeah, so much cheaper. Especially with my airport routine is having a McDonald's. <laughs> I do agree with you, though. It normalizes the experience to not have it be like a choose your own adventure kind of thing every time. It really does to have even like set rooms at some of my hotels that I stay at over and over again in L.A. It feels like, you know, you're home away from home, which then I think gives you more headspace to adventure. Yeah. I definitely, I think that's very true. And I am the same where I stay a lot in the same hotels. So I feel sort of get to know that neighborhood, which is really helpful. So I find the places that I like and I can go back to and then, you know, still find the places that, oh, are, you know, fun to travel to or maybe, you know, find something new to, to check into. But it almost makes it, um, yeah, less stressful <laughs> during the time that I'm there too. And Christy, what, what cities are you traveling to regularly? I go to LA a lot, like New York to LA. So... I'm a diehard Sunset Tower fan in LA to the point that people make fun of me for it. They're like, we get it, Christy. You love Sunset Tower. The thing about Sunset Tower, though, is that it's actually not as expensive as people think. They're actual rooms because they're so old school and small, but I don't care because I just love it so much. And I've started to kind of gain loyalty there, even though it's not really a point system, but they know me. They usually upgrade me. And my coworkers are like, Christy, how did you get that room? Like, that's not... Our travel policy, you know, you can go up to a certain amount of money and it seems way beyond that, but it's just because of loyalty. It's really helpful. So you've hacked your work policy. Yes, yes, yes. How do you guys find the time when you are in a new city or going back and forth to actually make the time to make sure you get your ginger shot or see somewhere new? Kind of when you look at your schedule, what kind of gaps are you looking for to be able to actually explore? So I think that one of the things I do try to do a lot of is to actually walk as much as possible in between meetings. That is more possible in places like San Francisco uh, or Seattle as opposed to uh, Los Angeles. But I think that walking to different meetings is helpful. And I think in the same way, I do try to schedule meetings so that, you know, I have a little bit of a gap sort of in between so that maybe I get to a neighborhood early. I can take a walk. I can maybe find a new coffee shop near that office, I think it can get really, and I fall into this trap sometimes, depending on scheduling, when you go somewhere and you're just, you know, going to a meeting, hopping right into an Uber, going straight to the next meeting, and then going straight to the next meeting, and then you just spend the whole time in the back of a car. So as much as possible, I try to walk or get to places early so that I can kind of walk around and set the scene before going into a meeting. So because I usually am in that Uber boat, I'm a Lyft girl, but still 
lift. I think the main tip there is if you can't get out of that situation, just stop looking at your phone. Like look out the window, roll the windows down, have a moment where you're pretending like, oh, it's beautiful weather. I'm on vacation right now. Like you have to kind of trick yourself into thinking you're not on a work trip while you're in the car. And then I think also I know in the city, like I'm, I am based here in New York, there's this thing about talking to your drivers where it's like, oh, do you want to do you want to breach that? Do you want to open up a dialogue there, or do you want to just have your own t- alone time? Usually, I want my own alone time in the back of a car. But when you're traveling, talking to your driver actually is really helpful because they show you around. It's kind of like a little tour guide. So I do that sometimes. Also, it's like an interaction with someone who isn't like a yeah. colleague. Yeah, and it's a local, really. Like, if, if you have no other time to talk to a local besides in the back of a car, then make friends with your Lyft driver. You know, I think it's interesting what you said about always going back to the same hotel and going to a really sort of iconic classic one. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine that doing that manages to give you a little slice of not life in the city because it's a hotel but you go back and you end up seeing the same people that work there you get familiar with the bar and the seat the party scene in the evening if there is one christine i'm interested to know if when you go back to the same cities if you have certain spots that you always return to beyond the place where you get your ginger shots yes absolutely i mean i think i I try to stay at the same hotels i'm very dedicated to Starwood loyalty, which really sort of drives a lot of the choices that I make. But I stay at the same hotels whenever I'm in San Francisco. I try to go to Subla, which is this amazing place that does these really good, yeah, these Greek chicken salad things that I'm obsessed with. So I always try to get one when I'm in town. They also do frozen yogurt with cherry syrup and salt, sea salt on top, which is fantastic. So a lot of times I go out of my way to get a, a froyo before my dinner. And... Yeah, in Seattle, there's definitely some coffee shops that I'll try to go back to. And I always try to walk along the waterfront in Seattle when the weather is nice. It's it's just a very wonderful place to be. Uh, and just coffee shops. I feel like I go. I have my order. I see the same people. Get the, get the routine down. I went to Suvla the last time I was in San Francisco because I used the Instagram question sticker to ask my followers, hey guys, I'm in San Francisco. And I actually had only been a handful of times. And I feel like making a trip out of your meals sounds very gluttonous, but it's helped me see cities. Because even if I'm staying in a different neighborhood in San Francisco, if everybody on Instagram told me to go to Suvla, then I'm going to go and I'll take a a car there and see the route, see the neighborhood. And I have kind of, if those are your only moments, like make that a thing. I have a friend whose boss doesn't like when they're traveling that she like eats separately from them, even though it's like not a work related event dinner in her specific job. Do you guys feel like you break away more often for dinner or are you required to show up a lot for group dinners? Mm, It depends on the vibe. Depends on the vibe and who you're with. I have a group of coworkers that we tend to travel together and we're so close that we're fine to be like, hey, I have to just like go have my alone time or see my sister who lives in LA and whatnot. Um, But I think it depends. I am though, and uh, Christine, I'm wondering if you would agree with this, but I think from traveling for work, it really does empower you to be on your own as a solo traveler. I don't feel the sense of anxiety that a lot of my friends feel traveling solo. And I'm totally fine to go to a restaurant by myself with a book 
and it's like the best thing ever. I can't, I don't understand why people don't like doing that. So I definitely do sometimes, but it kind of depends if it's like a work commitment or not. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I've definitely been traveling solo for longer than I've been traveling for business. So I've always been pretty comfortable in that space, but a lot of what I'm doing, I mean, I work in sales, so I spend all day meeting with clients, meeting with different teams. Usually I try to sort of end those meetings before dinner time, just so that I can um, have some space back to myself and, you know, sit ideally in a new place with a glass of wine and a book and just sort of regroup after that day. Cause a lot of times then I'm going back and, you know, finishing up work and things in the evening. But yeah, I feel very good about that. And I think that there are some trips obviously where I'm traveling with colleagues and it's nice to catch up or sometimes when I have to get dinner with clients, <laughs> but more than not, I'm, I'm on my own, which is actually a really nice time for me to sort of reset. Right. Like if you can set that boundary to have meetings end by 5, 5.30 latest, you still have a few hours of daylight to explore. Yes. And that's huge for me too. Like I'm, you know, I schedule all of my own meetings. So as much as possible, if I can schedule them earlier in the day so that I can wrap up a little early and maybe have some time to just have do something for myself, whether that's going out to eat or squeezing in a workout class or just going and seeing something new in the city, that makes it so much more palatable <laughs> to be traveling so much for work. For anyone who's sort of starting out, you know, they're early on in their career and they're starting to travel for the first time for work and maybe aren't familiar or comfortable with solo travel what's your advice to them for kind of starting to dip their toes in that so that they still get that time for themselves I think that if you can find something that you like to do on your own and everyone's a little bit different in that way but you know whether if you're a runner or if you like to eat and find new restaurants or if you like to, you know, go see houses, basically, I would say, try to find something that you love to do that you can sort of do on your own when you're traveling. And I think that makes it easier as sort of a gateway into the rest of things on your own. And I do think just scouting out that time for yourself is going to make the entire experience more beneficial. That's my take. That's a really good tip. I have a coworker who religiously does like runs wherever she is. She'll go on like a five mile run and see the whole city. And to me, that's, I'm not a runner. So I'm like, that's very inspirational. I'd rather go to a restaurant and eat by myself, which sounds like really much more depressing than running. But it is like finding your thing. I think that's really a, a good piece of advice, Christine. I know that, Christine, you just got back from a work trip to New York that you kind of extended have you guys ever tacked time onto work trips so you could spend a weekend or more free time in a place if your schedule was so packed and you knew that you weren't going to have any time to explore? I have a little bit. I had very grand aspirations of this when I moved out from this job, especially because I have a companion pass with Southwest and my husband has his own company. So I was like, you can come along with me and then we'll just stay longer and explore all these places. But he's kind of like, we travel so much other than that. Like, why? Why are we always adding on time? But I have done this a little bit. I think that, you know, what I also try to do is look and see like, hey, this is a weekend that I want to catch up with friends in San Francisco or in Denver, can I sort of figure out my schedule so that I can add meetings on in the days before? And that is very helpful sometimes. Really helps with the costs of going to places to see people that I know I want to be seeing. 
I love doing this. I think, though, the key is not doing it just for the sake of doing it because that exhausts you. So you have to know, like, where you're at in your mindset where you're like, okay, do I genuinely want to explore or is this going to stress me out, like, taking a couple days off just because you were in this crazy city? I, though, did do this about a year ago. I was in San Francisco and I had this I had this bucket list thing where I had this vision where I rented a convertible and drove up to Big Sur solo and just like wasn't on my phone because there's no service. And then I did it. It was the best trip. San Francisco, I think, is very polarizing. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I have not spent enough time there to really put my stake in the ground with one way or the other. Although I keep raising my hand if there's an opportunity to go to San Francisco, I think it's a really good city to then take like a day trip or ideally like a two, three day trip somewhere else. So um, I'm excited to try to do that again in the in the coming months. And that drive is the best oh, drive the in the best, world. The best. And I would say I haven't done quite as much of it on the West Coast just because I'm a little bit more familiar. I grew up in Northern California, but I do have a work trip coming up this November to Stockholm. And I am so excited to add on on either side of that trip to explore in Sweden and then to go somewhere else in Europe when I'm there. So, Hi, I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor of The New Yorker. Each week on the Writer's Voice podcast, New Yorker fiction writers read their newly published stories from the magazine. You can hear from authors like Colson Whitehead. Turner nudged Elwood, who had a look of horror on his face. They saw it. Griff wasn't going down. He was going to go for it, no matter what happened after. Or Joy Williams. Her father was silent. Slowly, he passed his hand over his hair. This usually meant that he was traveling to a place immune to her presence a place that indeed contradicted her presence. She might as well go to lunch. Listen to new stories or dive into our archive of great fiction. You can find the work of your favorite fiction writers and discover new ones. Listen and follow The Writer's Voice wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm interested to know... When you are planning to tack on a few days, obviously everyone's workplaces are different. Some places are really relaxed. Some places are strict. Some places are open to you taking time off and others are harder to navigate. How do you negotiate having your flights booked for a later or earlier date so that you can get that time in? So with Facebook, 
they're really flexible with the dates of travel as long as it's not some crazy higher price. We would pay for our own hotel, obviously, if we're staying longer, but they're really flexible with dates in terms of flights, which is very amazing. So that's not an issue for us, but it is obviously assumed that you'll pay for your extra hotels. Yeah, ours is the same. I book all of my own travel, so it's very much up to my discretion as to when I'm booking things. It just needs to not be super expensive. And if I'm there, not for business reasons, I need to be covering my non-business expenses. But luckily, we we do have a lot of flexibility with that. And I think even in other jobs that I've had, there's sort of an understanding of, you know, we're going to pay for you to get there and to get home. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you need to want that to be on a Sunday afternoon instead of a Friday afternoon, that's, you know, up to you. I would encourage listeners to not be afraid to ask because even in my former life as a beauty editor, we would do a lot of these press trips where brands send you on a trip to discover their brand story or a new product launch. And there have been so many times, and that was, I guess, when I was a more beginner traveler, that I was like, wait, how are you staying? That's so cool. And they're like, yeah, you just have to ask. Like, it's all the same. If it's the same price, no one cares for the most part. So I would just encourage you to not be afraid to ask because it it does take you to speak up to end up having an amazing extra time. Totally. I wrote a story last year about hacking your company's vacation policy. And one of the biggest things that other business travelers told me was like, you have to speak with your manager because if you don't, you're going to have no idea that it's okay or that maybe it's not, but you can make an adjustment or maybe your manager has never thought about that before. And if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. You know, you were saying Copenhagen, but I'm curious what other cities you feel like are really great for work trips. I love going to the Pacific Northwest in the summer, going to Seattle and Portland between the months of May to September. It is truly the most fantastic place to be. Like everyone is outside drinking rosé. The skies are blue. People are really excited. It sort of has that same Scandinavian take of it being gray and gloomy for most of the year. So when the sun comes out, it's really just very fantastic. And I've really enjoyed all of my trips up there. For me, I love the opportunity to go anywhere in Europe because then it's just so easy to get around once you're there. So if you're trying to extend your trip, it doesn't have to be that city. It's like a one, two hour train ride and you're in the neighboring city. So for me, like the Paris, London trips have been great just to hop over to Rome or Copenhagen or whatnot. It just makes it so easy once you're in that region. It's true. I wish I had more opportunities to go to Europe in my job. Sadly, sadly, I'm stuck on the West Coast. We're just going to get more Gimlet podcasts in the UK and then you'll be good to go. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm hoping. Um, Did you guys communicate or look specifically for jobs that offered travel when you were looking for the positions or interviewing for the positions that you're in now? Or did you communicate that kind of after the fact that you were interested in traveling? I didn't. I had no clue how much traveling my job would entail. It's something that's really important to me and a passion of mine. So I got lucky. But honestly, I don't think I realized that my role was even, this sounds crazy to say on a podcast, but I didn't realize that it was truly global. So I handle beauty and lifestyle partnerships on the fashion team, and it's actually a global role. Um, So that means we have leads who are based in other regions who manage 
essentially like the country. There's like a group of five amazing superstars in based in London who handle a lot of EMEA. So it's the, you know, the different verticalized roles job to plug into what they're doing to almost educate and empower them to work with the fashion or beauty community. So I had no clue <laughs> and it's been amazing. And it's really been a, um, an inspiring aspect to the job. I started out in our New York office and I was covering primarily just accounts in New York and a few in the South. But when I transferred out to the West Coast, I knew that there was going to be a little bit more travel involved. And I sort of very readily put my hands up, especially to cover the Pacific Northwest as well as Northern California, which despite living in Southern California is a place that I love spending time in. So I knew that there would be more, but I don't think I really had a huge grasp of just how often it would be. And it's definitely, you know, just sort of ramped up from there. And <laughs> and I travel more now than I did at the get-go, which is good. I feel like, Christine, you go on a lot of 24-hour slash 12-hour trips, uh, mm-hmm. short flights for like two meetings and then back. Um, how do you tackle those differently from the longer trips? Yeah. I mean, I think that there is also a point where because I travel so much for work and because I travel so much for fun too, I do try to be at home in my own bed um, a little bit more than I, than I used to just because it is nice to be home. Um, so if it's possible, if I only have a couple of meetings, I will go up just for the day. I think it, it is pretty easy. One of the real highlights of living in San Diego is that I'm a 20 minute drive from the airport. The airport is really small. We always have good weather. It's really easy to fly in and out of. So things are generally on time, which makes it a lot easier to fly that much. But for those, it's really just, I know it's going to be, you know, an early day. I'm on the plane, go do my meetings, go, if I can squeeze in a salad at Subla in San Francisco or whatnot, do that and then come back and honestly have my glass of wine on the plane and then get home and go to bed. (laughs) So I think that those ones, I honestly, they're just like a normal day at the office. I just pack like I'm going to work. The taxi driver is always very confused as to why I don't have any luggage coming in and out of the airport. But those ones, you know, I, I definitely get to do a little bit less of the fun stuff, but the longer ones are where I can spread things out. When you can stay for the night, you can wake up early the next day and do some exploring too. So if possible, I like to keep a balance of both. We've been talking about opportunities to travel to like some really amazing cities, both in the US and in Europe. Obviously, a lot of people who have to travel for work don't necessarily get to go to exciting places all the time. When you are kind of confined to your hotel room or you're on such a strict schedule that you don't have the opportunities to explore, sort of what are little things you do to try and like make that experience more pleasant, even if it's just sort of a bit of self-care or, you know, like a reading strategy kind of how do you like make it still feel like you're not always on all the time? For the travel that's hard, I, like you were saying earlier, Christine, I try to keep my rituals as in place as possible to the point that I will literally watch Real Housewives at night on my laptop in my room, like as if I was at home. So I think you, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about knowing if you're in the headspace to explore or if you need to 
have self-care, in which case I, I stick to my routines. I will say one of my favorite things to do in a new city is finding some place to get a massage. <laughs> I'm really into massages and finding like the local spots to the point that I'll ask the concierge for recommendations. I'll text all my friends and say like, where's like the cheap hole in the wall massage place that's secretly really amazing. It's like that kind of stuff that like I love doing just for self-care. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely travel with a lot of my skincare now. And one of my favorite things to do after I've had a really long day of travel is to stay in the hotel at night, maybe even get some delivery, which I don't often splurge on when I'm at home. Um, and maybe do a mask. I watch a lot of true crime. <laughs> so I feel like that's whenever I'm in a hotel, I'm like sitting in bed with a mask on watching forensic files. And it is actually very... Very sort of rejuvenating for me, and it's really relaxing and really nice. Um, so I think I think that's a really it's not the worst thing sometimes to be in a hotel room and just have like a lot of silence. I think that's the other thing. I'm married, so I am often with my husband at home. So I also try to take that time as like, okay, I'm here, I'm by myself. I can you know read my book as much as I want. I can watch whatever I want on TV. There's no sort of conversations around that. So uh, I do try to take advantage of that as much as possible. We're really inspiring. <laughs> so inspiring. What if you could poke, prod, and explore the mysteries of nature from wherever you are? Hi, I'm Nate Hedgie, the host of Outside In, an award-winning podcast from New Hampshire Public Radio. We explore the fun, dangerous, oftentimes uncomfortable questions about the natural world. Like... What happens when climate change comes knocking at your door? Unfortunately, when you find out things that you don't want to hear, the question is how you swallow that. Or what happens to our bodies when we die? All of the germs and bacteria and everything is saying, okay, baby, we got to get rid of this person. <laughs> Outside In isn't just a show for through hikers and conservationists. It's a podcast for anyone who's ready to embrace their curiosity about the natural world and have fun doing it. You left us. You left us. You left us. <laughs> but that's not what, what I'm, I'm going to do. <laughs> Listen every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm curious because you both talked about how you weren't, I guess, fully aware of how much you would both be traveling um, in your roles, how you actually balance the travel with your friendships and relationships um, that are still obviously going on at home while you're away. It's hard. Honestly, I'm trying to figure that out still. So if you guys have tips, let me know. I'm also trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And r the reality is that so I'm single. I don't have a family here that I, you know, have that commitment to, which makes it easier. And I recognize that. But it is still really hard. I think you can say no to certain trips. And I have been trying to be better about balancing that and not just saying yes to every single thing, especially as a young person in New York who's excited to travel. I My natural instinct is to say yes to every single opportunity. And in general, I, I think I am that yes person. But realizing when you are just too tired or don't have time, um, so there there's always another person who can fill in for you. So I think I've been trying to feel better about those decisions. Yeah. One thing that I've definitely tried to do is to be more consistent in scheduling the days that I'm going to be away. So I basically try to do 
Tuesday morning to Wednesday night trips or Wednesday morning to Thursday night trips, but really trying to be as consistent there because I think for me, it's easier to know like, okay, I can always make plans with friends on say Thursday night or Wednesday night ideally, but knowing like, okay, most of the time I'm going to be gone Tuesday night. That's just when knowing I, I won't generally make plans with friends at home that night, which does make it a little bit more helpful in terms of me just scheduling and looking forward. But it is tough. I think that that's the sort of reality is just being gone a lot means that you do miss out on things. So I do try to be really intentional about scheduling uh, time to see my friends, time to see my husband, time to you know do the things that I love to do at home, whether that's going to my favorite workout classes or getting acupuncture or um, just living in San Diego, taking advantage of being able to go to the beach, those sorts of things as much as possible when I am home. But the reality is that this all sounds great and fun, but it is, it's still <laughs> yeah. work, you know? And I think it there's still a, a huge aspect to work on these trips. So, I mean, I know this summer I've had to say no to bachelorette parties. I've had to say no to wedding showers. And it's like, it's hard, but I think you have to kind of find the balance and know that, yes, like I wanted to go to those things, but also if I did, I knew I would have just been so tired. Mm -hmm. And some of those work trips were really important. I couldn't move them. No one else could go. So that's why I, I'm, I'm trying to be better about saying no, but the reality is that it's hard. And I don't know yeah. that there is a balance. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a very grueling thing. And I think that is something that doesn't always get communicated. It's just like the, you know, the early days. And it's a little bit less exciting sometimes when your flight is delayed and you're going to miss a meeting as opposed to your flight's delayed or something. Some of you're going on a fantastic vacation. So mm-hmm. I think <laughs> trying to like mentally stay a little bit more even keeled about it um, has, has sort of been helpful for me, too. I have a friend who has not been able to go to uh, quite as lovely of places as you guys have for her work trips, but she has used all of the points that she's gotten to actually pay for real vacations on her personal time. And I know, Christine, you were talking about being a loyal hotel booker. And also, I know you have a lot of uh, affinity to Southwest. Um, Have you guys used your business trips to feed vacations if you maybe haven't been able to take advantage of the time to explore the cities that you're in. I am obsessed yes. with points. I am obsessed with points to the point of that. <laughs> oh God, I did it to myself. I don't even want to repeat myself. You have to leave that in. Um, the people who aren't u- utilizing points strategically, it, it blows my mind. We had a coworker, and I won't call her out on here, but she knows who she is, who wasn't even using, like, we all kind of fly Delta for whatever reason um, on my direct team, and she just wasn't using her Delta loyalty number. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You just went to Australia. That's like immediate no. platinum status, right? Right, right, So we we got her on and now she, um, she thanks us. But yeah, it, it's really important to be strategic about it so that you can use these these points for your personal travel. So for me, um, I'm a Delta loyalist. Otherwise, I'm less about hotel groups and more into credit cards. So I have a corporate card, of course, but I try to use my personal card and just be really as good about expenses as I can. Uh, I know that's really hard with these like high ticket trips, but it's really helpful to get points. So I use Amex Platinum to book my hotels. And my new favorite 
trick, which I promise this is not sponsored. <laughs> it sounds like such a sponsored thing, is the Uber credit card. Do you guys know about Uber credit card? It's 4% cash back on dining out. So if you're doing like with if you have dinners with clients and it's a it's a big expense putting your uber credit card down gets you four percent cash back that adds up so much again i realize like i'll come back from a trip and it'll be a month that's passed and i'm like oh my god i'm so poor this is bad and then you, it's time to do expenses but uh, that's my way of kind of gaming the system for personal personal use yeah, so I am very dedicated to Southwest, which really makes sense being based on the West Coast, but I'm A-list preferred now, which the two things that make it so, so helpful in terms of both my work and fun travel, one is that I get free same-day standby uh, any day, so I can just book a late flight, show up at the airport, get on the next flight home, and then for personal stuff, I also have a companion pass, so anytime my husband wants to travel with me for any personal travel, it just costs 20 bucks. So That's it's insane. I have to interrupt yeah. you. Can you explain <laughs> yeah. more? So just because yeah. you have loyalty to Southwest, it's like a, it's a thing. Loyalty, but also because I got their credit card and it was a bonus one year. And I sort of thought it was too good to be true, but it wasn't. I got the credit card and then I got a free companion pass for the next year. And now I have to fly enough to, you know, get enough right. points to keep it. But it is wild. So basically anytime we go somewhere. So like when we go to New York for fun to see friends, see family, I can book the, my entire trip on points and pay 20 bucks for myself. And then I can add my husband on and pay 20 bucks for him. And it's 40 bucks for us to go basically oh. anywhere, which is incredible. I'm also very devoted to Marriott Bonvoy, which is not, I don't think it's the greatest reward <laughs> at this point, but like you were saying earlier, like the thing that is nice is that now I have status there. So they will always upgrade me. I'll always be in a nicer room. I can also use those points for my personal trips. I'm going to Denver for a wedding this weekend. I am staying at hotels for free because I'm using my points. And then the other thing, I did not know about the Uber credit card, but a big reason that Uber actually got me back was the Uber rewards program. And so basically for every, however many points I get through my business travel that they make it really easy. They, you know, send the receipts directly to my expense system, all of that. But then I earn personal credit. So for every, say, five business rides that I take, I get $5 in personal credit. So basically a lot of my Ubers for now when I'm traveling, you know, on vacation, those are free, which so, is really nice. Okay. So I have to challenge you to the Uber thing. Just one, just a flag. Lyft does the same thing. So for every five business rides, you get $5 for your personal, which is amazing. But if you are a Delta loyalist, you can link your accounts. I'm seeing some nods. I'm seeing some nods. And it's so easy. And I think so many people don't know that it exists. But all you have to do is link your account and you get for I don't know if it's every dollar is a point. Yeah, it's based. So the number, uh, the amount that you spend on your ride, you'll get points back to your Delta frequent flyer account. Right, like that's wild. Even like a lift to the airport alone, that's like 80 points. It's like double dip. You're doing it anyway. Oh, and it's, it's, sorry, I'm getting deep here. It's, it's, I think five times the points when you are going to an airport. I did not know that yes. thing, but that's why. No, I'm back actually check that. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm 99% sure. <laughs> like for Lyft, my Lyft app. No, <laughs> no it actually. So if, if it's a ride to an airport, somehow they know, and you get more points. It says Lyft airport ride miles two times. So oh. it's two times the amount. So let's say it's a 
yeah, this one I got 132 miles, so that must have meant it was like 60 some dollars and times two. So Incredible. just FYI for Delta people out there. You should definitely listen to our 1.0 points and miles episode. We are working on a 2.0. You might hear these ladies on it. Yeah, let <laughs> me know if you need me back. Very so um, <laughs> well-educated on points. Lolly and I are not the best at points. <laughs> um, We're getting better. We're getting better. I may or may not have been your co-worker who <laughs> didn't put her <laughs> membership number okay. in for a while. You'll start. You'll start. I do it now. There was a trip to japan that i oh. screwed up over but i've left okay, devastating well, i won't make you feel even worse than you clearly feel but yeah that's sad yeah it was. <laughs> i would just say sign up for like if there's anything just sign up for the rewards program and commit to it yeah. whether it's a car rental whether it's an airline whether it's you know it's you can do all the research and you can sort of drown in the research but i think just make a decision and then stick to it and inevitably you will get something back and something is better than nothing sound advice um and to wrap things up i mean by the sounds of it you've really you know you're pros when it comes to traveling at this point because you're doing it so much but i'm i'm wondering how how all this work travel has changed the way you travel for fun if you found that the way you approach vacation time and what you do on the ground when when you're in a new place is different now I think that it has made me a little bit pickier about the trips that I take. I do want to have my vacations be a little bit more exotic or relaxing as opposed to a city that I could be going to for work. I also think I've gotten a little bit pickier about hotels since I stay in hotels so much now. I really like <laughs> like to stay at nicer ones when I can actually be there and enjoy my time relaxing in them. And I think that, you know, I, I still love to travel outside of it and it hasn't really dampened my enthusiasm for travel, but I am just a little bit more aware of, like, I think Chris, you were saying earlier, like not wanting to burn out. So not wanting to book so many trips right on top of when I'm traveling for work all the time. I do try to space them out so that I'm not coming off a work trip, going right into a personal trip, but it's still really fun to go to places that I don't have to be. <laughs> going to any meetings on. So I'm very excited for those trips still. I completely agree on the point where I want to say that I would choose to go on an exploration somewhere crazy, but lately all I want is just like to sit on a beach and do nothing. So that's changed um, just because of all the the madness or the chaos of work travel. Um, I would say though the main thing for me is just my confidence as a solo traveler. I do feel much more empowered to just pick up and go somewhere. Like if I end up having like a free long weekend where I realize I don't have a ton of meetings on Friday in New York, we like kind of quasi have summer Fridays. I'm like, should I just go somewhere and be spontaneous? And then when I get there, I'll be relaxed and just kind of sit around and not do a ton. But it's definitely made me feel more confident as a solo traveler, which I'm proud of. Well, good for you. Thank That's you. amazing. Yeah. Um, if people want to follow your personal vacations, but also maybe work trips, um, Christine, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at say Christine, C-E-S-T-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Uh, and for all of my sort of past travels, they're still online at saychristine.com, although I'm not updating quite as regularly anymore. Amazing. And Christy? 
you can find me on Instagram at Christy Dash. It's Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I-E-D-A-S-H. Amazing. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. I'm at Lale Hannah. You can check out stories and other episodes of Women Who Travel that Christine has been on on womenwhotravel.com. We will talk to you next week. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There is five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts.